It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Happy Hump Day, Bengals Nation, and welcome to the Locked On Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. No news yet on a defensive coordinator from Paul Brown Stadium at the time of recording, but the offseason has just begun, and we'll take a high-level look at what we can expect from the Bengals this year. Chat us up on Twitter at Locked On Bengals, at Joe Goodberry, or at Jake underscore NFL. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify, or whatever you use to get your podcasts on the daily. Today, we'll take a look at the Bengals' important free agents on the defensive side of the field, the offensive side of the field, and then we'll see if, do those guys actually impact the team needs in the offseason? And we'll start on the defensive side of the football. The most important players, as we've discussed, Joe, are probably Darquez Denard, Vontez Perfect, and maybe Preston Brown? Yeah, I would agree with that, being the linebacker, being the focus probably this offseason, and maybe the focus on everyone's mind on the defensive side of the ball. Uh those two guys, depending on what you do, one being a free agent and Preston Brown, who last year was a one-year $5 million, kind of cheap option, all things considered, uh, because of the one-year deal. Had they have given him a longer contract with more years, we'd be looking at that much differently right now. So I could see another similar deal or a similar free agent even brought into a Preston Brown on a one-year four, five, six million dollar deal. So I don't know how I feel about re-signing him yet. I think they should be open to it because that linebacker unit is really bad. You could be losing some cap space or, or positional spending there with perfect. If they decide to cut him with Vincent Ray also. And so you may have the room to add in a role player. That's a veteran like Preston Brown. So I'm not against that completely. I think the bigger questions definitely for you and I are what to do with perfect. And do we retain dark Denard? Is he worth it? And that was something that I saw discussed on Twitter just yesterday is what culture does Vontez Perfect fit into? And that's a good question. All this talk about culture and buying in and shared vision and communication and the the, the outside perception of Perfect is that this is a guy that Marvin Lewis has coddled, that Marvin Lewis has let get away with stuff. And and we don't know what's going on in that locker room, obviously. We just know what we've, what we've heard. And there's a question there is does perfect fit in with a new defensive coordinator without Marvin Lewis's head coach. And I think you have to question, should he continue to play because of the concussions and injuries he's had? They've called him neck stingers too. And if you've played, you know, that is a fine line between neck stinger and concussion to, to come back in a game. Uh, I think he, he should look at it and really, if he wants to play, because r- routinely he's out of shape. Um, Last year, he was kind of a rogue defensive player doing whatever he wanted on a lot of plays and a lot of scenarios. Really hurt them more than he hurt than he helped them for the first time, I think, in his career. And just based off his play, the team should have to decide if they want him. So he's got a lot of things going against him. Health, play of last year, reliability, consistency. Um, 
and salary at this point, you know, you, you have to wonder if that money can be better well spent. That's a decent free agent linebacking core as we looked at yesterday, Jake, uh, after the show. Uh, for me, it this is the easiest decision of the of the three guys on defense, and I would move on from from Vontez Perfect. What's the cap savings? Have you, do you know that off the top of your head? I don't have it on me right now, but we can look it up pretty quickly. I think I'm, I'm getting sure. it here. So we would have, if they cut him before June 1st of this year, it's a $6.8 million cap save with yeah. 1.8, 1.8 of dead cap. Which so. is a decent, I mean, that's a him plus Brown could potentially get you C.J. Mosley if you wanted to. I think Mosley's going to cost in terms of guaranteed money, and that's where the Bengals usually shy away from. Mm-hmm. is going to be the difference of why they cannot afford one of those guys. But maybe a lower guy, maybe a K.J. Wright, maybe a Quan Alexander, that's the money you can spend on those guys in order to bring in fresh blood into this linebacker unit that desperately needs it. And and the thing with K.J. Wright and Quan Alexander is they're not necessarily that far away from Preston Brown. They bring a different skill set to the table. They're out there, as we talked about after the pod yesterday, on third down. But they're similar age. And, you know, they've been productive players, but so was, so was Brown before he came to Cincinnati. And given he, he had the injury last year, and he did bring some value to the table. And maybe that's why you bring him back. But, right, with Perfect, it's, it's kind of hard to see it at this point, considering the year he had, the concussion history, the injury history, and can, can he function in a world without Marvin Lewis as head coach? Does he want yeah. to? Right. And you have to look at the rest of the, of the roster. They spent a third-round pick on Malik Jefferson last year. I'd like to see him play eventually. He played 11 snaps this year. The story on him is he needed the time mentally to catch up, and he may never get there. That was the same story at Texas also, and it was four or three years there. And he never really became the player he could have been as a, as a freak athlete at linebacker. Um, and I think Nick Vigil is their best linebacker now. That's not saying very much. He's had injury history, issues in his history also. So what do you really have at the linebacker unit? And at this point, it looks like a total rebuild, but you need at least two guys you can rely on. As we spoke yesterday about nickel being your base defense, that's two linebackers. And if moving forward, if Nick Vigil is your best guy and you're going to count on him again for one more year, well, you need to find at least one more guy that can play in coverage and play alongside him. And we're not talking about the draft yet, but... This is going to be something that they address through the draft, we we all think. And, you know, free agency isn't going to be the whole answer here. Uh, do we think that C.J. Mosley is going to get Bobby Wagner, Luke Keekley money? I don't think so. I think it could happen if you get into free agency, and I think those numbers get inflated every time. Just based off value or his production, I would say no. I think if you get into a bidding war, it could easily get to that. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see C.J. Mosley just because he's been he's been a really good player in Baltimore. Uh, yeah. Looking at interior inside linebacker contracts, Preston Brown's $5 million contract isn't that far from the top of the list, actually. I mean, in terms of money difference, there's an $8 million difference, obviously, between him and Luke Geekly, $7 million. But inside linebackers aren't getting paid very much in the NFL. No, and they probably shouldn't. Those are usually the guys that are coming off the field in coverage situations for a lot of teams now. You'll keep your weak side guy and normally have a sub-package role player that will come in in your nickel package, replacing the middle linebacker as the Sam linebacker also. 
um, comes off the field in nickel packages. So that makes sense why they're probably getting paid less and less. The Bengals have traditionally, under Lewis, overvalued that run-stuffing middle linebacker, even though they realize he may only play 50% of the snaps at most. Um, and that's part of the issue I think they've had in replacing this position and, and building this position to where the rest of the league is heading is that they are mis-evaluating it and, and maybe putting higher value on run-stuffing and being physical downhill run defenders than they should where most teams seem to be looking for that athletic guy that's going to flow to the ball and play coverage and move in space just as well so uh it's easier said than done obviously because they've invested some picks in that position and it hasn't worked out but i think definitely linebacker is going to be something we're going to talk about a lot i we should get to dark with denard here i want to get your take and see what you think um mostly because i know how i feel about it but i want to know what i think we get mixed opinions out there when you read comments Darquez Zanard is one of many slot cornerbacks hitting the free agent market this year, as we talked about a little bit before the pod today, in that 26- or 28-year-old age group. And he's not the cream of the crop, but for the Bengals, he did a job. And he was serviceable at slot corner and coverage. He was very good in run defense. He was a good tackler. I think you said it a few times during the year, and I agree with you, that he's the most physical corner they have. Yeah. And... I think, depending on what the market demands for him in terms of money, I would like to see him back just because I think that with without talking about these players, I think Denard is the one that has the biggest impact on what they need to spend the rest of the offseason doing. And so, You're saying if they let him go, if they let him go, if they let him go, then you need to address the position. Do you feel good about Tony McRae? playing no. slot corner for you next year? Darius Phillips, right, Devontae Harris, no. None of them got enough experience to really make you feel good about that position. You would, I would say if they lose Denard, they should sign someone in free agency or spend a top two, maybe three-round pick on that position. And imagine Bengals' Twitter when they spend another top pick on a cornerback. And I think a lot of the decision for Denard, because I think the evaluation on him is correct around the league and with analysts and, and even fans, uh, is that he's a nickel corner. You don't like him on the outside because of speed and some ball skills issues. So he's a good nickel corner, or at least serviceable, that's physical, good run defender, something you value at that position. Leon Hall made a career out of being that, even though he could play on the outside 10 years ago. So a little bit of a different game. With Denard, you have to look at other corners and what they were paid last year. I wrote down a few guys here. Uh, last offseason, Patrick Robinson, who was a slot corner, went from the Eagles back to the New Orleans Saints on a four-year, $20 million deal. He was 28 years old, so that's $5 million a year. I think if we're talking Denard, I'd be all for that. Nickel Roby Coleman, 26 years old, got a three-year, $16 million deal to re-sign with the Rams. Again, I think that's a bargain, especially for Roby Coleman, who's been a really good player. Doesn't have the pedigree Denard has, and I I feel like that does affect sometimes free agency. A former first-round pick is going to have a lot more interest out there. Uh, so DJ Hayden, former first round pick, 27 years old. He got three years, 19 million from Jacksonville. Wow. I think that's getting into the ballpark, and I think that's overpaying on Hayden. But I think that's getting into the ballpark where we're at. The highest paid slot guy last year in the offseason was Aaron Colvin from the Jacksonville Jaguars to the Houston Texans. 26 years old. He got four years, 34 million dollars, and he was benched towards the second half of the year uh, this year. Dealt with injuries and other things, but one guy did. Even though he's not a slot guy, one guy I wrote down was Prince of Mukamara, 
28 years old, former uh, first round pick, three years, 27 million. So we got nine million. So that's about a three to four year deal for most of those guys on average, $6.8 million. If we're talking 7 million for Denard, who made eight and some change, 8.5 last year on that fifth year option, are we comfortable with 7 million for their third corner? Uh, I'm looking at positional spending. They're they're, they've, they're at 16.5 million for 2019 at cornerbacks. Kirkpatrick taking up 11 million. William Jackson taking up 3 million. He's got to be due for an extension soon. I would say the suggested cap should be 20, 22 million for that position. If they give that money to Denard, they're going to 23 million and some change. That unit better be not only a strength of the team, but something you can rely on. And I think they've been too inconsistent for that, even though you got three first round picks there. I'm thinking. If you're paying that, you better be sure you're getting the production out of that unit that they expect. That's a great point. We'll talk more about positional spending as we go forward. Just a few other names to throw out there hitting the market this year that could maybe depress the demand for Denard. Uh, Bryce Callahan from Chicago. That's going to probably be, I would assume, the most sought after name if he makes it out of Chicago. There are a lot of guys in that age group. Yeah. P.J. Williams, Justin Coleman. So a few guys that may be more demanded than Dark Because West they had better Dark. years. Yeah. They did. Denard, I think, gave up 75% completions this year when targeted, which isn't ideal. Again, coverage is just okay with him. I don't feel like you can put him in man coverage too often. He's in zone. He's a physical guy. But do you pay a guy to be your better run defender in the back half, or do you pay him to, to cover and make plays and hopefully intercept a pass once in a while? Julian Edelman's coming for you in the playoffs, that's for sure. Coming exactly. up after the break, we're going to take a look at the offensive side of the football. Who are the important free agents for the Bengals to consider this offseason? Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals Podcast, your daily Bengals podcast. We've got next offensive needs or players that are have expiring contracts. Uh, a little bit of who to keep, who do you don't keep, who do you let walk in this scenario. I think it's more simple on offense than it was defense in the last segment because the way you're looking at it, the way it lines up, you would say even if you retained these guys that are free agents, they're probably still remaining to needs at those positions, and we're talking about offensive line and tight end. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, just going through the list, you've got Bobby Hart's an unrestricted free agent. We don't expect him to come back. You've got Alex Redman. He's an exclusive rights free agent, so he's probably back for cheap. And then Trey Hopkins, restricted free agent, again, probably back for cheap. So these are all guys that you don't want to rely on. Maybe some people want to see Trey Hopkins at center and Billy Price at right guard. I want to see Christian Westerman on the, on the offensive line. So those guys, I think, pretty cut and dry. Then you get into tight ends, and you have C.J. Uzoma. You have the two Tylers. And even if you bring all of them back, 
like we were talking about before the pod, even if all three come back, you still kind of need a tight end. Yeah, based on their injury history. Uh, the guy that, to me, is the must-keep on the tight ends is C.J. Uzama of the three because I think every year he's progressed. When I watched him last year to re- readjust his grade in the offseason before I did my top 50 Bengals for the athletic, I was blown away by Uzama. I call him their most underrated player at the time because – it was the first time he really played special teams a lot. Now, I'm not talking about last year. I'm talking about the previous year, 2017. So it was the first time he played special teams. It was the first time they really used him as an in-line blocker. In both areas, he was so much better than he ever was. If you remember at Auburn, he was a, basically a wide receiver getting coached by a running backs coach. He was very raw coming out. Uh, and if you look at league trends lately, these guys aren't breaking out until year four and year five. Sometimes it's second contracts. And Eric Ebron, Trey Burton, two guys this year that were free agents last year. Um, I think a lot of teams would be interested in a C.J. Uzama because of that. And every year, I feel like he's taken a leap. This year, he was thrusted into an even bigger role because Eifert and Croft went down very early. And Uzama was okay. I think I still believe he's not a number one tight end. I'm not saying that. I think he's a, a pretty solid number two guy that even teams that are in worse situation at tight end may be interested. You know, if, if the Buffalo Bills release Charles Clay, um, he's someone I've read a few times that, as a target for them, that would make sense. Uh, I think Croft is more of an unknown for me because coming off of a good year where he had seven touchdowns, he really had no impact. I mean, even in camp, this wasn't an injury thing for him. When I was at camp, Uzama was taking reps above Tyler Croft. So, yeah, he got hurt, and that limited his production, of course, but he wasn't involved in the game plan at all, even before that. And I look at it and say, well, where do they value him? And if the Rams' offense is coming here, how many quality or you know number two tight ends do you need to have when they barely feature a number one tight end in that offense? And then it comes back to Eifert. And I think when he was on the field and he was healthy, this offense looked completely different. He is an elite talent when he's healthy, and it's hard to just let that walk out of the door when the whole room is a, is a free agent, and it would become a pressing need if you didn't bring back any of them. Or if you didn't bring back two of these guys, it becomes a major need that you may need to focus on early in the draft. Um, so for me, he, last year, I forgot a one-year $5.5 million deal. Now, that was maximum if he reached it. Most of his contract was not likely to be earned because of his previous year's of being inactive. He had a 62K um, per game active bonus. And I think he only played four games. You do a similar deal. That's only 260,000 guaranteed out of that entire deal. So uh, I think you can bring him back on a similar offer. I think he'd be for it again. And I think he's an impact player when healthy. I just don't think you count on him again. And you say, whatever he gives us is a bonus. And we still attack tight end in, in the draft. Yeah, and then it's a question of where in the draft are we going? How high are we selecting a tight end? This is a strong tight end class is what everybody's telling me. I haven't looked at it myself yet, but I agree with you. I think Tyler Eifert is too good to let walk, and and he's one of my favorite players on the team, so I'm a little bit biased there. I hate that he's gotten hurt. It's broken my heart every time I've seen him go down because he is just so, so good. And he, the the comfort that Andy Dalton had with Eifert that year, 2015. 15. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was that was some of the you know that was some of the most enjoyable football I've watched Andy Dalton play. Just some of the throws where he sees a linebacker's nameplate and he's throwing it up at his at his helmet pretty much, and trust Tyler Eifert to to pluck that ball off the linebacker's helmet. 
I, I like that. I mean, it, it worked. He's clearly he's clearly a difference maker. And then you got to talk about can, can can you get him on the same deal? If you can, great, bring him back. And like you said, you can't really build your offense around him, and and I don't think that they will, given what we've heard about coming in. Then I think you keep CJ Uzama. I think you keep him too. Uh, you stop asking him to come all the way across the line of scrimmage yeah. and pick up a defensive end, please. But he, he can do a job, and he's pretty good at it. He's he's just great. Great? I don't know. He, he's who I want for a number two tight end. The question is, how much are people going to want to pay him? And he's been healthy. He has the athleticism. Is some team going to come offer him a lot of money and take him away? That's the question. Yeah, and I'm looking at um, deals from last year at tight ends and a couple of the names that, that popped out and guys I, I just mentioned. But Trey Burton, at 26 years old, got a four-year, $32 million deal from Chicago. I don't know that Uzama gets that type of offer, but if he does, I mean, you're losing him. I don't think the Bengals are going to pay him that much. I'd be surprised, especially in this this offense. Eric Ebron, who was only 24 last year as a free agent. Crazy, right? Uh, two years, $15 million deal. What a bargain for the, for the Colts that was. Looking at it, there wasn't a great tight end class last year. Um, even guys like Ed Dixon got three years, $14 million in Seattle. I think that's kind of the range we're looking at of career number twos. Virgil Green, three years, $9 million from the from the Chargers. I think that's in the range that I'd feel comfortable with. With Croft, I think Uzama, I'd like a multi-year deal. And I, and I think that makes sense if we can get him at four, four and a half million dollars a year. And I, I think he's a part of your offense if you do make him um, an offer like that. But I still, even if, like I said, if you won't, if you bring back two of these three, it's still a need. And looking at this draft class, you're going to find a gem in these mid rounds, second, third, fourth, fifth round. There's going to be a Jordan Reed or or a George Kittle or you know these guys that are um, top in the league, Travis Kelsey type. I mean, it seems to be the premium spot to grab an athletic tight end in those mid rounds. And I think the Bengals that need and how many picks they have, it lines up perfectly for them to to attack that position on day. Two, even maybe even day three. We'll talk more about who those potential targets could be on the offensive side of the football, where they might spend the capital in either the draft or in free agency in a future episode. But after the break, we'll just get into a high-level look. What can we expect the Bengals to attack on both sides of the ball? We've talked about their free agents. Outside of their free agents, what are their needs? Stay tuned to find out. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. In our last segment, we will look at needs on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm going first, Jake. 
I think the Bengals have more needs than normal. And I say this because it I can't tell if they're in a rebuild scenario or if they're in a win-now scenario. And I think in the last few years, even though they've been bad or haven't been in the playoffs for three years now, they've kind of operated in the draft and free agency in a win-now mode. Um, and not the way other teams do as where they go and they really stress the cap and add as many free agents as they can. But in, in terms of one-year deals and drafting, not for future needs, but for immediate needs. And, and they've done that definitely in the last two years. Um, now I think we could be in a, in a bit of limbo on where that you know, vision is. And for me, I think everyone would agree, no matter if it's free agency or the draft, linebackers are needed. And in fact, they should probably fill it in both areas. They should probably draft a guy fairly high, and they should probably try and sign a starter and, and do both and really attack that position. After that, I think nickel corner, and I, I write it because we talked about Dark Denard in segment one, and if he's going to make $7 million a year, if he's valued out there, I think you consider letting him walk, and it doesn't mean you have to spend a lot at that position, but it becomes a focus maybe in the draft, but maybe in free agency you can find a bargain guy that can do the job. Uh, from there, I've got all offense, and it's right guard and center I've listed as one spot because – I think Billy Price could look much better as a right guard. I don't think that means free agency for center. I think that means the draft. For If you if you find a guy there, if you're there, and I don't, I don't think it's going to happen first round. There's not a guy in, in this draft. But if a Garrett Bradbury from North Carolina State is still there in the second round, a guy who I saw at the Senior Bowl looks like a zone-blocking center, he's the opposite of Billy Price. He's, he's more of an athlete, can make those reach blocks, looks great in space. If you If he's still there and you haven't addressed offensive line yet, moving Price to right guard and drafting a center makes sense. Now from left tackle to right guard, you should feel pretty good about that. What they do at right tackle is the next position I have is going to depend a lot on what they value Bobby Hart as. And I'm scared that they value him more than the rest of us. I think that's a very scary situation based on his age. And, and you know, he has a lot of experience now at 25 years old. Uh they might pay him a little bit more than I would and, and, and go into to 2019 with a major starter. If not, I think that's a position they could spend in free agency or draft very highly, whether that's first or second round pick, because it's a really good tackle class, too. Well, at least a lot of people feel, feel that way. I have tight end written next. Like we discussed in the last segment, it depends on what they do with the three guys currently. You bring them all back, it probably lessens the need of, of spending a high pick. You don't bring any of them back or bring one of them back you're looking at a premium target in this draft. Well, I don't think it's first round. There might be a guy there, but second round, third round becomes uh, a target position. The last one I have listed is quarterback because I feel like we talked about this a little bit yesterday after Zach Taylor's comments backing Andy Dalton. And I said, even with that, you have two years left on his deal, a deal that could lend to him making a lot of money. Uh, if he even continues the, the rate of play he's at right now, but the truth also is that he's been a middle-of-the-road quarterback for seven out of his eight years and has been injured now two out of the last four years. And you have to take that into account, take into his age and account. He's 31 now, will be 32 next year during the season. And is the horizon quickly approaching where you have to invest in that position? And I, I believe it could start happening this year, but it doesn't have to. I think you draft a guy if it's the right guy. So those are my needs. I think if I were to rank them highest, I think linebacker is and then right tackle. I think just going through my list, I hadn't ranked them. But we, we have some similarities here. 
cornerback, I'm with you. If Dark if Dark Pesnard isn't back, I don't feel comfortable with the guys they have on the roster playing in the slot. You 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 have Dre, you have William Jackson outside. Those are going to be staples until those contracts are up. And we hope they bring William Jackson back. I think, judging from what we've seen so far, when we get there, linebacker, that's an obvious one. I think I agree with you that they need a two-pronged approach. Even if they get Devin White in the first round, you still need another guy. And maybe he's a rookie. You never know if rookies are going to be ready to step in and play. Not everybody is going to be Leighton Vander Esch. You might have Roquan Smith had a good year. Uh, who's a Virginia Tech kid? Edmonds? Jermaine Edmonds, yeah. And he was graded poorly but flashed his upside as a 20-year-old, you would expect it. And and with Devin White, I haven't seen, any, I haven't seen him yet myself, but... He's a rookie linebacker, so those are a mixed bag. Even, and that's if they take him with the 11 overall pick. So I agree with you, two-prong approach there. Tight end, as we talked about, depends a lot on who they bring back. Interior offensive line wasn't actually one that I had, and that's more of a what will they do rather than what should they do, I think. And I think they drafted Billy Price in the first round last year, and so I think that means they're going to shy away from addressing that position highly, at least in the draft this year. I, I also am in the boat that I would really like to see Christian Westerman play. I think it's probably naive on my part to rely on him. But that is actually, I think, why I don't have interior offensive line as a need. For me, it's right tackle on the offensive line. I don't feel good about Bobby Hart going forward, and I hope that... You know, I hope the Bengals don't value him differently than we do. I'm with you on the on the bit of the fear there. Besides that, I've got uh, I've got some defensive line here. The defensive line they have some injuries. Carl Lawson, yeah. they had Ryan Glasgow, and if those guys come back and they stay healthy and they play the way they showed that they could play in the last two years, Glasgow was really good before he went out this year. Yeah. Then, then it's not a need. But, you know, you have two guys coming off injury. You have Geno Atkins is going to be, what, 32, yeah. 31 next year? Yeah. Carlos Dunlap, similar age. So you have guys that are aging. You have a group that we expected to be a strength of the team last year that was not a strength, was actually a weakness in the end. Part of that's how long they were on the field, given it's not all their fault. But, you know, you'd like to see them perform a little bit better. So I have really the whole defensive line. Is, is, where, is a need you could look at. So if one of those premier guys is there at 11 or falls into round two, maybe that's something you consider. The and last one. I, I, was, I didn't want to jump in there. I was going to say I'm with you on that because I had a big debate last week. Um, I did a mock draft and I had the Bengals taking Ed Oliver, uh, defensive tackle from Houston at 11. And people said, well, that's not a major need. And I thought, well, it can be. And with Geno Atkins' age, uh, even though they just resigned him, we're talking about a premium talent there. I don't think you can pass it up. I think you could look at this defensive line as a need as a whole, like you mentioned. Yeah, and and that's kind of the thing, right, is how are we going into the draft for team building? What's what's the approach? Are we drafting for that immediate impact? Are we drafting for filling a need? I think there needs to be a long-term approach to team building. I always think that. I mean, I understand that we're in the free agency age of football. Players aren't staying with teams for their whole careers because you have to manage the cap. The Bengals are pretty good about keeping their own players, especially the ones that, you know, second contracts. They're pretty good at getting those second contracts. So, yeah, I, I would not be opposed to a premier player 
on the defensive line just because you can never have enough pass rushers. And the last thing for me, and this is a much smaller need, this is a lower on the totem pole, but halfback too. Is Gio Bernard back? We talked about this a little bit after the pod yesterday. That's right. Can they use Gio Bernard? Uh, Joe Mixon, I think, is a good fit for what we're going to see out of Zach Taylor's offense, but Mark Walton isn't a guy I feel very good about as a two. So is that somewhere we look in the draft and the free agency at some point? And again, this is a lower tier of a need for me than linebacker, than right tackle. But that's that's the one that I've got on my list that you didn't talk about. Well, I would, if we're getting to lower tier, I think the fourth wide receiver is and was an issue a lot of times last year. They, I mean, they had to dip into that plenty of times when not only Green got hurt and at the end of the year when um, Boyd was hurt, but even Ross dealt with his injuries again in the middle of the year after the Atlanta game. And whether that was Cody Core or Josh Malone or Auden Tate or Alex Erickson, they all looked like bottom of the roster, practice squad, just regular guys out there for the most part. Um, I still want to believe that Josh Malone has some upside. Coming into last year, they thought he could take a, a year or two jump, and he did not at all. I don't even think he caught a pass now that I'm thinking about it. He had the one bounce off his hands um, against the Panthers that was intercepted, and I think that's the last time we see him even get targeted. Uh, now I'm just going off memory on there, but that wasn't what we expected at all out of year two out of Josh Malone. I think if we go forward with Green having one year left on his deal, um, Tyler Boyd's going to need a new extension and Ross still being an unknown for the, mo- for the most part, wide receiver is a need, not free agency, but a draft, a third, fourth, fifth round guy that you hope to roll the dice on, and, and it becomes a guy not only that can contribute, but maybe even be an eventual starter. Uh, so I definitely see wide receiver as, a, as that middle of the draft need. Yeah, they're really kind of all over the place, right? Like the one place we probably feel pretty good right now is safety, with Jesse Bates being young and Sean Williams having some years left. Corner. Outside corner, Clayton Fedulum, yeah, he played great in limited time. Uh, Outside corner, they're probably not going to address that for a couple years, although with the Bengals, you never know. They love their first-round corners. Yeah. You would hope Uh, defensive end also, right? I mean, if Dunlap, Sam Hubbard had had a good rookie year, I really want Jordan Willis to take another step. Maybe it's year three for him. I really hope he's not Marcus Hunt, Will Clark, but he's trending on that path so far. Uh, If Carl Lawson returns and comes back, He's a premier pass rusher, and maybe their best edge rusher probably is. And if if he comes back, you, you feel good about that for um, foursome at defensive end. But if any of those guys become a question mark, DN can be a big need going into 2020, but I don't expect them to address it this year. Sure. So we'll take defensive end off the list. That was my list. Interior defensive line, that's still a question mark. Billings played a lot better this year for the most part. Yeah. Lasco played a lot better. And Gino's obviously Gino, but if th- this is another good year for the interior defensive line, so we'll see. We'll see if they value that position. Gino's done a really great job for them. And in the Super Bowl, you saw pressure coming up the middle. That was a huge issue for Jared Goff. And some of that stunts, but the Patriots also got some really good play out of those defensive tackles. And that's why I wouldn't be opposed to drafting one, because we talked about nickel package being the base package yesterday. And for the Bengals, traditionally, that's been three defensive ends, one defensive tackle being Geno Atkins. The problem with that is they really didn't have a guy that they liked kicking inside last year. They did Hubbard for a while. Uh, I don't think it worked for him. I think most of his pressures in, in production came from the outside on the edge. They tried Jordan Willis a little bit. 
I think that could be an area for Willis, but he didn't show it enough last year for me to just hand that job to him. I think that third defensive end or that nickel defensive tackle, whatever you want to call it, is almost a starter in this defense more than a Gene. I mean, more than a uh, Andrew Billings is to, to this defense. So you need to secure that position, whether that be um, developing one of the defensive ends you have on your roster, or you draft a pass rushing defensive tackle. And whether, if that's not at 11, then maybe it's in the second, third or fourth round. That's right. So that's our high level look at what the Bengals might need. It's a laundry list. It's a it's a confusing offseason because we have the, the similar situation with the Cincinnati Bengals where we feel like there's a lot of talent on the roster at a lot of positions. Some of those guys are getting up there in age for the NFL. And we don't and some of those guys have some have some injury questions. So a lot of different ways we could go this offseason. We have a lot to dig into going forward. Tomorrow though, you went to the senior bowl. Yeah. Had a good job. John Sheeran was at the Senior Bowl. We'll have him on. We'll talk about what you guys saw while you were down there. We didn't see anything. It was <laughs> we were drinking. That's what happened. Well, we'll talk about that anyway. That sounds fun. I know I you think, had a rainy day too. I think some of the non-football stuff is just as interesting. So we we'll talk about that of how we went to the wrong hotel to start. There you go. Let's get some stories from Mobile, Alabama. Coming to you tomorrow. That's been Locked On Bengals today. Again, find us on Twitter. Get your questions in for the mailbag on Friday. That's at Locked On Bengals, at Joe Goodberry, at Jake underscore NFL. We'll see you tomorrow, Bengals fans. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.